0: Welcome back to Real Talk About Feminism. We are currently sitting here in the studio freezing. It's Absolutely a chilly day. <laughs> freezing. Why was
1: it so cold today?
0: We're under a winter storm. Watch. I
1: know, but I was like,
0: yeah. okay,
1: so this morning when I was driving to work, it started snowing. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the office and there was nothing. Mm. And then when I left, there was nothing, but it kept saying like Friday by five, it's going to dump, it's going to start dumping. Yeah. And so I'm just waiting for it, but I'm not
0: excited. Yeah. I don't really know because like it was actually snowing over here for like a good amount of the day. Um, but just a little bit and then it all melted off. So, So weird. Yeah. I'm like, I don't really know, but like, I don't know. Regardless, it is absolutely freezing. <laughs> um, it's so cold. Yeah. After being in Arizona a couple weeks ago,
1: mm-hmm. I have been dying for I know. desert weather, the heat, the warmth.
0: And it wasn't even,
1: like, that much warmer. It
0: wasn't. Like, it was cold over there for
1: them. Yeah. But at least there wasn't snow on the ground.
0: The, we there couldn't wasn't that, like, feel the, the sunshine. Yeah. yeah. Like... I went out in a tank top one day. Same. Yep. That was so nice. It was nice. So yeah, it is cold, (laughs) but we're ready for today's episode. We are talking about the Black maternal health crisis. Yes. So it's a good, it's an important topic.
1: It's very important. I'm really excited. And I think this episode is going to be really informational. So let's get into our obsessions first. My obsession goes hand in hand with what we were just talking about. I am obsessed with desert landscape right now. Mm. Driving through Tucson and seeing, like, all the saguaro cacti and Mm -hmm. all the cactus. Like, I was obsessed with that.
0: Yeah. I know. It is really pretty. Like, it's a very different type of pretty. Like, way different than Colorado. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I, I really liked it. The one thing I didn't like was, like, the lack of grass. I know. But I love the hurt. cactuses and like just like the types of plants. It was cool. Yeah. Not like I've never seen that before. I've been to Arizona multiple times, but <laughs> I don't know. Like it's just fresh in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, my obsession is this game on my phone called Township. I am obsessed with you- this. Every time you're on your phone now, you're playing. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I have to like harvest things and like, you know, and there's times and stuff. Um, But no. So I like I never have games on my phone. But our youngest sibling was like, you should download this game. So I was like, whatever. I was like, I'll play it one night. I'll probably delete it. Like I don't need a phone game. But it's kind of nice because like you get to be creative and like you're you're basically building a town. Yeah. And like keeping it up. So like you're harvesting crops and you're putting them in the factory to make different things and like fulfilling orders for all the town people like it's just so fun so if anyone's looking for a little interactive like phone game look up township and then message me on instagram and so that we can connect (laughs) and be neighborhood (laughs) neighborhood friends yeah um but it is it's fun I like it so that's my obsession that's so funny. Yeah. I
1: also don't really have phone games, but there are three that I have mm-hmm. that when I'm watching movies at night or something, I'll just like rotate between. Yeah. But I love my coloring app. Like I love to just color on my phone.
0: Yeah. You do color on your phone a I lot. love coloring on my phone. It's like literally part of my wind down routine. <laughs> yeah. I know at night you're like <laughs> just tapping. <laughs> yeah. So that's my obsession.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, today's feminist highlight is Mar Galceran. She's a European political figure and she has Down syndrome. She has been engaged in politics since she was 18 years old. And in May of this, uh, 2023, I almost said this year, <laughs> she was elected on the People's Party's candidate list for the regional elections in Valencia, Spain, and she earned a seat in the Courts Valencianas, which is the parliament that represents that region. She is dedicated to dismantling barriers for individuals with disabilities. Oh, good for her. Yeah, she's the first one. That's awesome. And I think that's really great because we need – when we think – when we talk about representation, I think a lot of times we forget including those with disabilities. Mm -hmm. But it's a very
0: large group, and I think they're left out often, so I like to see that. Well, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Do you have any, like, life updates or anything going on? I am really proud of myself because
1: I have almost saved up enough to fix my car.
0: Yay. And I got
1: paid today. And so I moved my lump sum into my savings account and I was looking at it and I was like, I am really proud of myself. Nice. Because I've been working really hard to like get my budget down, do my money dates, just like Laura taught us. Yes. And it's been
0: going super well. That's awesome. Yeah. There's – It's a really good feeling to like – after, like, financial stress and, like, yeah, instability. Literally. um, Like, finally building your savings back up and, like, working towards your goals. Yep. So. Literally, I
1: was thinking today when I checked my bank account, I was like, I remember looking at <laughs> a negative balance sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I am not even, like, close to there anymore. And so it's a good feeling.
0: That's good. That's yeah. awesome. Good
1: job. Thank you.
0: I... I mean, speaking of savings, I got paid today also. And so I was moving around my money. <laughs> yep. And um I officially have a few thousand dollars saved for my Paris trip. <gasps> Yay! So that's really exciting. That I'm is so exciting. over halfway there to like my goal. So
1: I'm obsessed with that. I know.
0: I was like, okay, that's oh cool. My gosh. Yeah. So oh,
1: that's so fun. Yeah. I have something else that we like, I haven't seen you since last night because I slept at Cleo's. Oh, yeah? But last night it was so funny because I asked him, I we had a movie on, but then it was one of those nights where we were like talking the whole night instead of watching. Mm-hmm. And I love those nights. But I had asked him, like, when did you delete Hinge? Oh, and I don't know if you've ever had that conversation with Kendrick,
0: um. but. I think he deleted it the first week that we knew each other. But we were like, I moved across the country with him. Yeah, literally.
1: Okay, yeah. Okay, what was his answer? This was like very unique.
0: But we kind of went
1: like back and forth. Like we were like going over the timeline of our entire relationship. And we came to the conclusion that he had deleted it. So we met end of March Mm -hmm. and we started officially dating like beginning of May. And he was like, I think I officially deleted it. Like, beginning to mid-April and I was like oh <laughs> but then I was thinking I was like well I deleted it three weeks after mm. and he was like I wasn't on it like he was like I was looking at who liked me and I was like same I was like that's the most addicting part is like seeing who liked you yeah and um it was just a funny conversation because it you know when you're like reminiscing and yeah <laughs> no so that funny. is funny but then I told him I was he was like three weeks wow I was like I manifested that shit like me and you, I manifested that Yeah, you did. Kind of unintentionally, but I literally said, trust the universe mm-hmm. and look where the universe has taken me. Look at you. Yeah. So, a that's, manifestation update. <laughs>
0: that's really exciting. Yeah, I like conversations like I that. I know.
1: It's, it's just so fun. Like when you have that relationship where like you just can just talk. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. <laughs> okay, one more update for me. <laughs> so right today uh, is like an anniversary of mine and Kendrick's. And it's our eight month anniversary. But it is. Yeah. But tell me why I literally woke up this morning and I was like, happy anniversary, parentheses. Can't remember if it's nine or 10. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then like, I was like, you know, love you, whatever. And then he didn't feel good. So he was like sleeping in. So then it was like 30 minutes later, I was like, I really don't know if it's 9 or 10. And then he replies when he wakes up and he was like, 8. <laughs> and it's I was eight? like, "Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like way <laughs> off. I was like, oopsies. Oops. Like it just feels like so much longer. It does. Yeah. But yeah, like I try and remember like how many months you have been at. But I was like, I'm pretty sure they're at 10. That's why I thought we were at no. 9. Oh, I thought you were saying the day. No. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So... I don't know where my head was there, but I was not remembering our dates at all, and I was like, "Oops, <laughs> oops, yeah."
1: Honestly, come to think of it, I totally like breezed by our date. Yeah, ours is the seventh, and I completely forgot. Yeah, about. but I'm like, I don't now. It's not. Yeah, it's not like it's like like you you go to six months, that's the milestone, and then after that, you're like, and eh, we'll just get to a yeah, year. like you we, know, we'll like get to
0: I know that's why I was like, I don't really remember because yeah, it's like six months. That's like the big one. Yep. And then a year, like, you don't think about it. And also, like, it's fun to, like, acknowledge more since we're long distance. And so it's like, "Eh." but yeah, I was like, I butchered that. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Oops. (laughs) Yeah. Anyways, last update from me. Should we get into the episode? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I am
1: excited about today's episode because I came across this topic idea Um, I was scrolling on Instagram and I follow CNN and there was the story that was being done by one of their anchors. Her name is Abby Phillip. And she was doing an interview with Anderson Cooper about her experience of deciding to have a home birth over a birth in the hospital. And I am going to be pulling clips from a podcast interview that she did on the podcast called The Assignment with Audie Cornish. And they talk about Abby's experience, as well as the overall Black maternal health crisis that we have been seeing and are seeing in the United States. She said, quote, a year or two after my first child was born, the CDC released a report showing that Black women were three times more likely than white women to die of pregnancy related causes. And it made me nervous about being pregnant again, about being in a hospital pregnant again. And then the second time was around the spring of 2020. So that was from the host of the podcast, Audie. And I really liked their conversation because they are both Black women who have been pregnant. Audie has two children and Abby Phillip has one. And so they were sharing their experiences and relating to each other. Before we hear more about Abby's experience and many other Black women's experience in this country during pregnancy and childbirth, I did some research on the statistic of Black women being three times more likely than white women to die during childbirth or from pregnancy-related causes. Oh, my gosh. It feels outrageous, right? Yeah. We are in
0: 2024. Well, I'm thinking, I feel like, I mean, obviously some complications are you can't get past them, but, like, I don't think many women are dying, like, in childbirth related to, you know, 50 years ago. Yeah. So, like, for it to be three times more for black women, that's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I found an article from the NIH that backed up the statistic, and then I really started to dive into the issue. And there was this quote from the article that I'm going to share, quote, while predisposition to underlying health conditions such as hypertension, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and obesity plays a role in racial disparities in pregnancy-related deaths and other adverse pregnancy outcomes, when these medical conditions are not present, racial disparities still persist. Okay. Which is true. We know that different races and different demographics have different underlying health conditions, different health makeups, like we know that for a fact, Mm -hmm. but it's saying that even with all those presents, the statistics should not be that high. Yeah. This is an institutional issue. And in this article, they included a really helpful visual that I'm going to share on Instagram when this episode is released, but I'm going to verbally talk it out to provide some background into the structural and institutional disparities. Okay, that are going back like hundreds of years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, it has three bubbles and in the first hot bubble, it has structural determinants of health. And below it, these are the things that are listed. Slavery, structural racism, institutional policies and practices, Jim Crow, GI Bill, redlining, mass incarceration, and the 13th Amendment. Okay. So these are things that structurally, there are racial disparities. Mm -hmm. Then there's a bubble that is connected to the top one by an arrow and a plus sign. And that one lists social determinants of maternal and infant mortality. For those who don't know, that means deaths. Mortality is death. And listed under that is food stability education, income, neighborhood demographics, built environment, safety, housing, access to care, rates of incarceration. And then there's an era leading to a bubble that says increased maternal and infant mortality. So it's clearly illustrating that the structural and the social determinants of health based on the racial disparities lead to the higher mortality rates. Okay. That makes sense. Yes. So it backs up that statistic Mm -hmm. as to why it's so high. I am going to start sharing more of Abby's experience and I'm going to play the first clip from the podcast interview. I'm excited to hear it. I, it's really good. Yeah.
2: I had my first child in 2021 and it was a strange experience for me because. I went from personally being the type of person who was like, you must have a baby in the hospital with all the medicine and all the things to having a home birth, which was totally unexpected for me. I, I cannot emphasize enough how much I was not a home birth person when I first started out. What and did you think a home birth person was? I I just thought a home birth person was somebody who didn't believe in modern medicine and, you know, I or was kind of just sort of hippie-like. And I just didn't think of myself in that way. I really believe in modern I don't medicine. think of you in that way either. But, but a lot of things happened when I was pregnant that made me realize that a lot of women like me, uh, women in their maybe late 20s, early 30s, young professional Black women, we're choosing to have out of hospital births.
1: Interesting. It's very interesting. And we're going to get more into why that is mm-hmm. and her experience, like being at the hospital and the doctor. Mm-hmm. I am now going to play the second clip.
3: I had my child before a lot of the big reporting on this, right? Yeah. I had one in 2017 and then one during the pandemic. And you're right, the difference in tone and tenor of that pre uh, the, of that pregnancy um chatter yeah was significant so much reporting started to come out about maternal yeah. health statistics in America that overall they were worse <laughs> than other countries yeah. and that the gap for black women was was really large
2: yes and COVID didn't help. You know, COVID was a time when it actually was kind of dangerous to be in a hospital. It was. It was.
1: I cannot imagine I know. how fearful I would be, like, being pregnant during COVID. I know. Do you ever just sit and think about the fact the pandemic
0: happened? Sometimes. Not very often. But I recently did have a moment where I was like, someone said, like, 20, like, in COVID. And then they were like in 2020, and I was like, it's 2024. Yeah. I'm like, how was it
1: four years ago? Like,
0: literally four years ago, it was like breaking out right now. Yeah. That's crazy. It was crazy. But yeah, no, that is true. Like, I COVID didn't help the those numbers, but yeah, like a lot of people are going to be fearful of yeah. the hospital during that time. Yeah.
1: So if you couldn't differentiate, Between the two voices, both of them were talking at different points, the host and Abby, and they were both relating to their experiences. The host had a baby during the pandemic and Abby was pregnant during the pandemic. So they were sharing their experiences with that Mm. and being able to relate on the level of both being Black women in that situation. Yeah. Abby shared in detail how she felt super uneasy and nervous about being pregnant. During the pandemic, Mm -hmm. which
0: is valid, yeah, totally understandable.
1: She also wrote a CNN article sharing her story. So she has this podcast interview. She has her CNN story that she wrote, which I'll link both in the show notes. And she said, "quote It was a scary time to be pregnant or anywhere near a hospital. Layered on top of all that was my fear that I would not make it out of childbirth alive. I can't tell you exactly when this became such a deep-seated fear for me, but my anxiety would ratchet up dramatically at the thought of being in a hospital, unable to advocate for myself." That fear was compounded early on in my pregnancy when I was ignored and dismissed by the, by my doctor's office, so much so that I left that practice and went searching for better care. I think all women, to some degree, can relate to that, mm-hmm. feeling like shot down, no matter what I say, they're not going to believe me,
0: mm-hmm. I'm in
1: so much pain, but nobody cares, Yeah. so I can't imagine how scary that would be being pregnant. And you're like, I'm worried for myself, but I'm also worried for my unborn baby. Right. Because I want a healthy pregnancy.
0: Right. Like there's so many factors for the these people talking right now, yeah. working against them. Like, oh, that is so scary. Yeah.
1: Even after she went to another practice, though, she felt that the 30-minute visits were super isolating. And she mentioned – asking for more time and she just felt rushed always like the visits were just like in and out. How are you? Okay, cool. Any concerns? She couldn't feel like she could advocate for herself. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, but I would realize later as a first time mother, I often didn't know what I didn't know. I hesitated to bring up my experiences and discomfort, unsure whether they were worth mentioning or indicative of more serious problems.
0: Mm. I think that is also relatable. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Because you're like, am I being paranoid? Mm -hmm. Am I reading into it?
0: Yeah. And if you already don't feel like you're being like fully paid attention to or like fully cared for, then you're not going to bring up those things. Because then you're you're like, okay, well, what if it is something? But I'm more thinking, what if it isn't something and I just come off stupid? Yeah. So like, yeah, of course you're not going to bring it up.
1: Right. Which should not even be a thing. Right. Like if you're concerned, you should bring it up. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to play another clip from
2: Abby. And I realized that as soon as I got pregnant, I started talking to other black women who had had children or were in a similar situation. Then there's, there's really a sense of that all of us are trying to kind of stay alive.
3: Yeah, really beat the odds, right? It's basically a whole dialogue to
2: beat the odds. Yeah, and that, the weird thing was that I didn't think much of it until I started to talk to non-Black people, women, about it and realized that a lot of other women who are not Black don't necessarily have the same situation. And that dichotomy of experiences was surprising to me because I thought everybody experienced pregnancy like I did, where I felt vulnerable. Running defense.
1: Yeah. I wanted to pull in the clips for this episode because I wanted to hear from Abby herself, Mm -hmm. her experience, because I've never been pregnant and I'm not Black, so I can't speak on this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a really important topic.
0: Yeah, I think she has some very good insights and i i think unless you like step back and think about things sometimes you don't realize that that's not everyone's experience Mm -hmm. you don't realize it's only happening to you or a specific group of people Mm -hmm. and so yeah i just i think that she is like can be super relatable to women and i i appreciate her like speaking out about this Mm -hmm. So she ended up talking to
1: many women, as she mentioned in that clip, and she decided, I am tired of not being heard and not being validated. And she wanted to take her health and her pregnancy into her own hands. And so she felt that a home birth was the right choice for her.
3: So as a result, you end up really diving into the world of midwives and specifically the resurgence in home births, and midwives within the Black community, which is actually, in thinking about it, very similar to what we reported on um, a few months back about the surge in homeschooling. Mm. And it feels like part of this broader movement of like certain communities saying, hey, if the institutions don't work for us, we're going to work for ourselves. Yeah.
1: I thought that was a really good quote. Yeah. Like, we're just going to take it into our own hands because nobody's seeming to help us here with this, and it's important. Yeah. So then they start to discuss the data of midwifery. And in 1980, 1.1% of births had a midwife attend. By 2020, it was 12%. Oh, wow. And if you specifically look at the number of home births among Black women, they increased to 36% just from 2019 to 2020. That's a wow. big jump. yeah. Yeah. So that's part of the reason Abby's speaking on this is because she's like, obviously, it's not just me. Like, yeah. we as Black women are feeling this way. And so we're taking it into our own hands. And we're making a choice that feels right for us. Yeah.
0: That's really crazy, that jump. Because that's only a year difference. Yeah.
1: A year difference. And it jumped that much. Yeah.
2: From 2020 to 2021, they increased another 21%. So- Something is definitely happening here where Black women in particular are choosing to leave the hospital system, finding that it's not necessarily safer to be in a hospital to give birth. And looking for alternatives.
1: In the CNN article, Abby talked about how her entire birthing experience went very well. She definitely felt like she made the right choice for her. She ended up hiring a midwife who came to her home, took time with her appointments, made Abby feel genuinely heard and asked questions about every aspect of her life, like her stress levels, her water intake, her physical activity. She said, quote, I realized quickly that she wasn't just checking that my baby's heartbeat was still present. Her job was to ensure that I stayed on a path to a healthy pregnancy. I felt seen, heard, and more empowered. Eventually, my fear began to subside. It was replaced by excitement and joy for the arrival of my daughter, emotions that I had struggled to access earlier because of how worried I had been about surviving pregnancy and childbirth. That's got to be a really great feeling Mm -hmm. where you're like, I can actually enjoy and, like, look forward to her coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like the more holistic approach, too. Definitely. Because regardless of, like, who you are, I think in general in the doctor's office, a lot of times it is just in and out because that's the healthcare system. And so, yeah, you don't always feel like you're heard or seen. And so, even just having someone take time to see how your general life is going because like stress levels like everything like that affects pregnancy, mm-hmm. and so, to have someone sit down and be like, "How are you doing like what are you concerned about let me let's figure out if we need to be drinking more water or what type of food you need to be eating like that is more helpful mm-hmm. and than just like a doctor coming in and like she said checking your baby's heartbeat and then leaving yeah like I think she felt
1: that I mean she said that like it wasn't just about the baby Mm -hmm. it was also about her right and I think people forget that
0: yeah like yes the baby is important but if the mother doesn't survive or if the mother isn't healthy the baby's not going to be healthy yeah
1: She said that while her labor was painful, of course, she was able to move around freely. There weren't beeping monitors or strangers coming in and out of the room. She could eat and drink freely and wasn't being told when to push and how often. She said, quote, small comforts denied to many women in a hospital setting. Mm. She then said that her people and her team surrounding her... They were all focused intently on helping me and my body do what it knows how to do on my terms and at my pace. Mm -hmm. And I was like, dang, our bodies do know what to do. Yeah. It's a natural thing. Mm -hmm. So to wrap up, I want to share this quote. She said, by the end of my journey, I was a different person than the woman who had that first nervous meeting with her midwife just a few weeks earlier. I realized that the core of the midwifery model of care is that I am not a passive actor in my health, but an active participant. I learned how to listen to my body.
0: I really like the way she said that. It's this whole thing is like reminding me of a conversation that I recently had um, with someone that I work with. Um, He is getting ready to go on paternity leave. And so um, we were just like, as a team, we were just talking about stuff. And someone asked if his wife was going to be having like a home birth or going to the hospital. And so he was telling us that this was their second kid, their first kid. They had no idea what to do. They didn't feel like prepared with knowing when to go to the hospital. And so they went. Well, like she was in labor. She went once and then they were like, oh, it's too early. Go home. So they sent her back home Mm -hmm. and then she went again. They said it was too early. And then I think it was the third time they went and they got there and she basically was like in and out in 10 minutes, but like she didn't get an epidural, like nothing because they were like, it's too late. And I was like listening to that. And I was like, I don't think, I don't think they would have done that for a man. Oh, absolutely not. And like, how unfair is it for her to like be in active labor? And I get that late active labor can go on for hours and hours and hours, but like, She was trying to, like, do the best she could and time it, but every time she was told no until it was the last possible second, and I was just like, that is, like, that's not a good system, Mm -hmm. like, for women, for her to not get an epidural, and she wanted one, Mm -hmm. but there wasn't enough time, but she had been there earlier, and so, like, it's just giving, like, women's choices being made for them and it's just reminding me of like oh anyways to wrap it up th- with their second kid they're having a home birth oh nice and he he said he was like she's really excited to be able to sleep in her own bed mm-hmm. to move around and so yeah like obviously it's a huge issue and especially more for black women as we're hearing the statistics but like for women in general like they just the feeling of being in a hospital just isn't the best sometimes. It might work for some people, but like, I don't know. not. It doesn't feel super comfortable. No, no, not at all. And like, you don't get to do things on your own terms.
1: Yeah. At all. At all. Yeah. I know this whole thing. I'm really happy for them. Yeah. This whole thing, going back to that, I'm happy for them that she chose that for herself. Yeah,
0: I know. And I was, when I heard that too, I was like, oh, we're about to do this episode. Yeah. And I didn't, this is like me learning for the first time. But yeah, I was just like, something isn't right about that like that's what I was thinking I was like she went and that happens all the time yes like that does happen all the time but I was just like this whole
1: thing made me think I definitely want like a water birth in like one of those water birthing facilities where it's like dim lights and serene music playing Mm -hmm. and you're like able to be in any position you want not on your back which is we all know is Not good. No. That was invented by men. Yeah, literally. So, to wrap up, there are so many changes that need to be made to our healthcare system. We all know that. I took several classes in my undergrad, which was in healthcare management. I took several classes on like racial disparities in healthcare and like socioeconomic disparities. And it is very evident that there is a Black maternal health crisis. And As we mentioned the statistics in the beginning, that proves it, there's so much research to back that up. But I wanna share this quote from another NIH article that I found, and they said, it argues that communities of opportunity should be developed to minimize some of the adverse impacts of systemic racism. These are communities that provide early childhood development resources, implement policies to reduce childhood poverty, provide work and income support opportunities for adults and ensure healthy housing and neighborhood conditions. The healthcare system needs new emphases on ensuring access to high quality care for all, strengthening preventive healthcare approaches, addressing patients' social needs as part of healthcare delivery, and diversifying the healthcare workforce to more closely reflect the demographic composition of the patient population. So they laid out so many solutions that would solve so many problems, maybe not solve, but improve our system yeah. for everybody mm-hmm. so that there isn't three times that statistic of three times black women being more likely to die in childbirth yeah or from pregnancy related causes yeah so i thought that was a really great way to wrap up and if you are in healthcare, maybe you want to look into that and like I definitely would love to be somebody who could help implement some of this stuff in the future. Yeah. So it's really important. And I loved being able to have Abby's voice that I could play in this episode. Like I mentioned, I will put her article and this podcast interview in the show notes so you guys can look into it more.
0: Well, thank you. I also loved hearing Abby and hearing her story. Um, because we're talking about her story and many other black women. Um, and so, yeah, I like that we were able to hear her voice and yeah, I'm going to go check out the whole podcast episode because it sounded like a really great listen. It was really great. And for all of us girlies,
1: let's advocate for ourselves when we are at the doctor. Mm -hmm. Even if it's scary, you are the one that's paying for these services. And if you don't like the provider and you don't feel heard. Keep switching until you find one that you like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No one should make you feel not heard. Like you're the only one in charge of your own healthcare, Mm -hmm. unless you physically can't make those decisions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like you're in charge of you. So you should feel comfortable. And I think too often people just go about just, you know, being quiet and not saying anything to not be a burden or...
2: To, to not, not be, be dramatic—that's That's
0: what a it good is. Point, yeah. We we're so nice and like, oh, it's okay. I'm okay. Yeah, they seem rushed. Uh, it's yeah, fine. Exactly. I'll see if it keeps going for the next few months. Like, yeah, no, we don't need to be doing that. Just take care of yourself. And if your providers aren't taking care of you, then, like Ken said, it's time to move on.
1: Find someone who will.
0: Well, thank you guys for joining us for another episode.
1: As always, all of our links to our socials and ways to connect with us are in the show notes. That includes our book club sign up, join the discussion forum, and our weekly email newsletter sign up. So be sure to connect with us, and we'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.